Welcome to the I Want to Like Whiskey podcast. Maybe you've had a bad experience with whiskey in the past or had very strong, neat spirit thrust upon you and surprisingly not enjoyed it. If so, then this is the conversation for you. I'm Rob Patchett, Global Whiskey Ambassador for the Cotswolds Distillery, and I'm joined by leading personalities in the drinks industry who agree that more people need to drink whiskey, but on their terms. We discuss whiskey cocktails, experiences, great people to follow in the industry, and how you can find your way into whiskey. Okay, welcome back to another episode of the I Want to Like Whiskey podcast. Today's guest is someone I've wanted on the podcast for quite a while. I've been a big fan of his. Um, if you ever have used a little website called YouTube, you may have seen him. He is probably the most informative and educational man on YouTube when it comes to whiskey. Over 30,000 followers, multiple videos that really do outline how much there is to learn about whiskey. So this week, my special guest is, I guess we call you First Phil. Phil, what do you want to go by, Phil? Phil. Perfect. Yeah, we'll go by Phil. Phil from First Phil Whiskey on YouTube. Uh, mate, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me on the show, and what a great intro. <laughs> Sound a cool, uh, cool. <laughs> um, how you put it like that. It's, it's, it's something I'm working on. But what I will say is, yeah, you do have the uh, an incredible beard. Oh. It is something I'm working towards. It's fantastic. It's not a prerequisite to work in whiskey. It just kind of happened at the same time. So it, it <laughs> helps with my credibility. So my imposter syndrome is a little lower because yeah. I have a beard. Yeah, it looks great. Thanks, mate. So, um, Phil, thanks for being on the show, first of all. You are, if anyone can't tell by your voice, you are based out in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've had a little bit of um, a few technical difficulties this morning. So it's quite late where you are, and it's first thing this morning today here in the UK. But... Besides that, I guess the first question I always like to ask people is, how did you get into whiskey, Phil? So I actually used to live in the UK uh, about when I came back. I came back about 2018. And when I lived over there, um, we had a mate who came to visit us. And he, his dad was really into whiskey. And he was kind of into whiskey. And we're, there's, kind of a, there's kind of a group of like four of us. And we're kind of trying to decide what we're going to do. Um, when we had our mate coming over and we sort of landed on let's do a little distillery tour we don't know much about it Um, I hated whiskey but I thought oh it'd be cool to just go with my mates and um, so we went up to Speyside we went to I remember going into Glen Farkless and we were trying a whole bunch of whiskeys and I remember sipping it sipping on one and looking to my mate and um, he was like I don't think I like whiskey and I was like I don't think I like whiskey either this is gross (laughs) (laughs) how long ago was this this is uh 2015 i think wow really that recent yeah 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 and um anyways the trip went on uh we went to glenlivet and we went to some other distilleries and then we went to isla and it wasn't really till we got to lefroig um that i remember sipping a lefroig and going oh hang on this is different this is kind of wild and exciting and awesome. And um, yeah, it actually was kind of the smoky whiskeys that drew me in. And I was just like, and I just really wow. liked it. Um, and after that, every sort of, I started buying bottles of whiskey and I started researching. And um, what I found tough, like back then, I mean, it's so different now. There's so many people in the social media space now to learn from. But back then, like, I'm a big consumer of YouTube. That's, like, the main thing I consume. And uh, everything started at quite a high level. It's like you go in and they're talking about independent bottlings from Caden Heads and single cast yeah. things. And I was, I was just, I don't know what they're talking about. I don't know what that is. I just want to know what whiskeys I should try. And uh, so that always in the back of my mind, I was like, oh, I wish there was just a channel, like some of the video channels I watched that, you know, just be easy consumable, consumable content and stuff. And it wasn't until I got to New Zealand that one day I sort of decided, oh, maybe I'll give it a go. And um, I uploaded one video and then I basically went to year and I didn't up- upload another video. And it wasn't until kind of COVID that I was like, maybe I should give this another crack. And uh, yeah, then I started uploading more and more videos. And because um, I, I guess the big thing was that what I learned, because 
by trade, I'm a video editor. I work in video production. That was my thing. It does show. Yeah, and I was a lot of the channels I was following, like editor channels, like how to edit better and this sort of thing. I'd be watching the YouTube channel. I was like, I know how to do it better than that. And I and and like these people who are teaching people editing. I was like, I actually know more than some of these people. But then I clicked, and I was like, no, they're not making it for me. They're making it for people who want to learn about editing. So all you need to know is like just a little bit more for the person who's just wanting to learn a bit more. And I was kind of like, well, so that imposter syndrome, I was like, oh, okay, maybe I could, you know, make whiskey videos and help people like, what is a single malt and that sort of thing. And, and then kind of because I've been going through this whole journey, it's then made me learn so much more about the whole thing. And it's, it's just so fun and it's so exciting. I just love geeking out about it now. No, mate, I mean, this is what I'm here. This is why I wanted you on as well, because I think that your channel um, on YouTube, because I'm also a huge consumer of YouTube, like I watch it more than terrestrial TV and even sometimes more than streaming. And yeah, if there's ever a question about anything regarding whiskey production, regions, uh, you know, what's good, what's bad. I mean, because you're very honest as well, which I like, you know, it's not sort of brands paying you to do these things. You are doing it for the love of it. And so yeah. that's what really drew me to your channel was the fact that it was the authenticity of what you were delivering. Um, and at such a level that, you know, someone who isn't into whiskey could go to your channel and be completely immersed in it and yeah i mean just talk more about how you found you know being i mean essentially you are an educator of whiskey on youtube whether you want that title or not i would definitely say that you would be more enlightened after watching your channel so just talk more about that really um yeah so i guess yeah my whole approach is really uh i, I kind of visualize myself as five years ago as the person who's kind of like wanting to watch the content that's often the way i see my videos um and yeah and that's the the big thing is just making a lot of those big concepts more because what i find about when you know just a little bit about more whiskey it can make it just so much more fun like if you know the difference between a pot still and a column still you go oh so that's how oh, okay right so the blended whiskey is in some of the col okay or if you know a sherry cask and a bourbon cask, it's like, oh, well, I, I really like the sherry cask world. Let's explore more of that. Are there other distilleries doing using sherry casks? And then you go down a whole rabbit hole that way, and then you try the smoky whiskeys, and like, oh, what, what do you mean? They, they burn dirt, and then it somehow makes the whiskey smoky. What, what? And then you go down that rabbit hole. So that was kind of like, I kind of wanted to open those doors up that are kind of almost often quite closed, for people sort of outside the industry and really kind of let them learn more so then they can enjoy it more that was kind of my big big thing but i think that's so important like you say youtube and any sort of uh, whiskey led uh, platform can go straight to the deep end of like you say the single casks and mm. the you know the independent bottlings and the rare whiskies that people will never be able to either afford or have access to yeah whereas sometimes yeah you do just you've got to cover the fundamentals i had a yeah. friend come to the distillery a few months back and we went through the whole process like field to grain to all the way through production to bottling That's and correct. we tasted some new make and he and he went so at what point do you put the fruit in and i went what do you mean he went well it's really fruity like Oh, can't yeah, yeah. get that fruit flavor without putting fruit into the stills and i was like right okay let's go back in yeah because there are the fundamentals like you say people need to know where does that smoky flavor come from yeah why are sherry sherry whiskey so much more colorful what is the importance of a bourbon cask and i think going back to those fundamentals is massively important definitely definitely and the vast majority of people can't afford to have 200 whiskeys on the shelf and buy all these like super rare whiskeys most people just want to have a few whiskeys they can have like they and they still love whiskey like they're passionate about it um but most people are going to have like you know some if whiskey enthusiasts might only still only have 10 whiskeys and so um yeah so just been letting them enjoy those whiskeys they've already got more and by understanding a little bit more about how they were made and that sort of thing and that's what i love about cotswolds as well right like what you're saying you guys can show them the whole process uh from so you show them the field yeah. and then you show them what the bottling plants on site is it yeah man that's so yeah. cool we yeah that's great like the, the the fields that we source from are half an hour away so we can go from the field um 
I will be completely honest, we don't go to the Maltings, which is uh, it's about an hour and 45 south of the Cotswolds Distillery. Oh, cool. Um, but you can cut, it's still yeah. pretty close in the yeah. grand scheme of things. And then on site, yeah, so mill, uh, milling, obviously mashing, the fermentation, the distillation, the two di- the two stills, they're all under the same roof. Yeah. And then we've got uh, one of our three aging warehouses is on site, so you can go and see bourbon, STR, sherries, quarter casks, all that sort of stuff. And then, yeah, we do bottle on site as well. So you can see it being bottled through the window um, of the bottling plant. So, yeah, it's cool. That's so good. I wish I could go. No, if I went back in time, I don't know if you guys would be around then. Yeah, um, I was going to say, when I was living in London, I'd totally be there. I'd be, I'll be visiting. 2000, yeah, 2015, we were, uh, we, were produ- we were producing, but we hadn't released anything. Right. We started in September yeah. 2014. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, from London, it's, I mean, I always get people from London to the distillery because it takes 55 minutes on a train and 25 minutes in a cab. It's, it's nothing. In the so good. Scheme. It's not like a flight to Edinburgh or Glasgow or Aberdeen or anything like that. And the whole area, I remember going there and it didn't look real. Like, um, I've yeah. got family, my stepdad is, uh, his last name's Slaughter and his whole family's from Lower and Upper Slaughter. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Just down the road. Yeah. So we went there and I was just like, this town can't be real. Like how's everyone's grass? So like they, it's like, it looked like a movie set. I said, this is yeah. a movie set. I mean, there are, it's like the Truman show. But it's like a real kind of nice hobbit, like almost like a hobbiton kind of thing. Like even all the gra- little grass and little windows and oh, so such a cute little town. Honestly, the Cotswolds is like going back in time. It really is because yeah. it's just these cute little villages. But the most important thing that I would say is those rolling fields are completely coated in barley fields. Wow. So we, we, saw, we can source barley from within the Cotswolds for as long as we need to, no matter how much our production is. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, when Dan started the distillery, it really was just a case of why isn't anyone making whiskey around here? And, you know, people have joked in the past, it takes the madness of an American to make an English whiskey in the Cotswolds. But, yeah. you know, he, he did it and he, he's lent into it. And we now, you know, I'm sat in our blending room, which is a bit of a change from my usual location, but I'm going to be going over to the warehouse in a bit as well. And it's just, it, we are flowing now. We've got two distilleries, one making rum, one making whiskey. We're also making gin. We're 10 years old next year, which is crazy as yeah, well. Yeah, isn't it? So it's, isn't it's, that cool? it's super exciting. Like if you ever come over to the UK, mate, please, please, please get in touch. It'd be a pleasure to have you here. Definitely. I'm so keen to go back. Yeah, I got so many friends there and so many connections and stuff. And I'd, I'd love to come back, definitely. Because the other thing as well is obviously... You actually reviewed our whiskey on your channel, which was really, I mean, thank you so much for doing that. It was a great video as well. Oh, I good. urge anyone to search out first Phil for obvious reasons, but also just search out our video because you were, yeah. you know, we hadn't spoken. We had no relationship. We no. had never spoken as a distillery to you either. No. So everything that you said was completely objective and it was bang on the money. Yeah. Well, I remember because um, every so often I'll, I'll take a risk on a new distillery and I'll think, oh yeah, I'll try this one out. And I remember trying your guys one and genuinely like not, but I thought it was amazing. I was like, what, how, how is it so young (laughs) and why is it real nice? And it was like, it was it summertime at the time as well. And it was just hitting the spot for me. Like just the mood was perfect. And it just had that real like fruity notes and stuff. And, um, so I, and I just found myself like sipping it, uh, way more than I thought I would. And then. So then I was like, okay, I'll do a little review. And then I saw um, in the online Scotch Whiskey Awards, it got nominated as well. And I was like, okay, I, I think I should do a little review of this. And I have done many reviews. Yeah, I appreciate I, I, it, mate. Uh, yeah, I don't really know. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, I remember I was just sipping on it lots and I was just like, I've got to do a review. Yeah. That's Matt, great. You're a legend. Thank you, mate. So obviously we'll talk about a little bit um, how you sparked your whiskey, your interest in whiskey. I mean, uh, it's interesting that you talk about going to Isla was what really sparked it. And that seems mm. to be a consistent with everybody that I speak to on this podcast is it's a trip to Isla that really opened their eyes or opened their palates or their minds to what the whiskey industry can be, but also what where their love comes from. Um, yeah. And I haven't been yet, so I'm definitely going to have to make that pilgrimage at some point. Um, I mean, what else are you in? I mean, are you is your whiskey profile, is your whiskey taste definitely driven more towards Isla West Coast, smoky, peaty, heavier? Or are there anything, are there any other whiskeys that you're really enjoying right now? Yeah, so 
it's interesting, right? Like as you go down the whiskey journey, um, it's often what I like to say. It's not about what whiskey's best. It's kind of whatever whiskey's best for where you are currently on your whiskey journey. So the whiskey that yeah. was best for me when I started out was the Laphroaig 10. It was the Lagavulin 16. They were the ones. But these days, I barely drink those whiskeys. Uh, I moved on yeah. to, and I went through the stage where I just wanted the most power, like more power, give me more. And I was like, I went to cast drink whiskeys. I was like, give me more. I want more Pete. And I was like, give me some Octomore. Yeah. And then, um, and then what kind of happened is I went to a tasting. I, th- I can't remember what distillery. Maybe it was an independent bottler. And it was these super subtle whiskeys. And I remember I sipped on the first whiskey and I was like, oh, okay, all right. And then I got to the second whiskey and I was like, just sipping on it slowly. And it started to open up. And I was like, oh, what? Hang on. There's so much complexity and layers behind the super subtle whiskey. But it's not just a one dimension thing, it's like a full orchestra. And then so I went through the stage of going for kind of more subtle but complex whiskies. Um, and that's probably still where I am kind of now. Like, that's what I really like. Uh, also whiskies that introduce cask types, sherry cask types. And I went through a whole sherry bomb state. Often in winter, I like some sherry bombs. Um, but yeah, that's, that's probably where I am now. But yeah, it's been interesting how it's kind of moved around and changes season to season and that sort of thing. Do you know, it, it's funny that you started with the big, big smoky and peaties and then pulled yourself back um, because I did that as well. Uh, one of the first whiskeys that I really drank neat was Ardbeg 10. Mm. Um, and I was like, yeah, yeah, this is great. This is great. But also I was like, there's got to be more to whiskey. But it's funny, like if even if you speak to people that get into beer, you know, they go into these massive hopped style beers, even though the more subtle ones from like Belgium can be just as good. And yeah. then you talk about people who get into wine and they want these huge, robust cabernets from California. And yeah. then all of a sudden it's like, eventually on their journey, they go, oh, actually just, you know, a little bit of Gamay from somewhere or New mm. Zealand Pinot Noir or something like that. It's like actually exactly. soft, subtle, nuanced. It's, mm. um, yeah, it's quite interesting that that seems to have a, a cross synergy across different categories because I'm there as well now with whiskey. I, I like soft, subtle, you know, but I really like bourbon cask led whiskey just because I want to taste the distillery. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's not that I, and like there's a difference between like the sort of gateway whiskeys and then like those kind of complex soft whiskeys. Like it's not that I'm yeah. drinking a lot of say Glen, the Glenmorangie 10, uh, which I had a bit more earlier in my journey. It's more like, um, yeah, like like an Adna Merkin or something, you know, something where it's this complexity. Uh, but it's also not just in your face. It's not like punch you in the face, Sherry, or punch you in the face, Pete. Uh, Graham from Arden Merkin, he's actually going to be a guest on the show at some point as well. And I love what they do because I think as well, the fact that they started out as independent bottlers with Adelphi and then came to the fruition with their mm. brand, Arden Merkin. They also worked with Jim Swan like we did as well. Oh, wow. um, but they said that they wanted they wanted Jim's, Jim Swan production without Jim Swan maturation, which... I, I joke with Graham and Connell all the time. I kind of go, does that mean that you just didn't want STRs? And it's like, okay, that's fine. Oh, right. They're, they're, they're peated style with Sherry. It just works. I mean, their releases are absolutely fantastic. Mm. I love what they do because yeah. like you say, they just tip that balance of what's right with Pete and Sherry together. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, you know, we, we drink whiskey, whether we're, on an exploration of flavor from casks and things like that. But then also, you know, whiskey can just be a nice relaxing drink. You know, I don't know where you are. Where are you in New Zealand? I am in the Bay of Plenty. Um, so I was in Auckland, but I actually uh, quit my job about two months ago. Um, and I've gone freelance again. And I sort of thought, well, it, it means that on the weeks I'm not that busy, I can just go full YouTube. So it's actually quite a big, this could be a turn in the channel. It's almost kind of a test as well um, because I'll be yeah. able to spend a lot more time on the channel um, than I, I used to with a full-time job. But yeah, we're uh, it's in the Bay of Plenty, which is in the North Island. Um, there's like, and I'm on a beach called Ohopi Beach, um, which, I mean, you could Google it up. It's been rated like one of the top beaches in New Zealand. It's beautiful. There's like, volcanoes you can see out in the water just popping 
big volcanoes that kind of erupt that just get you look out and they're just popping themselves out of the ocean. It's, it's cool. So the reason that I ask is, have you got like a beach dram or like a whiskey serve that you can sort you sort of batch up and take to the beach or anything like that? Like a nice coastal nip that you enjoy? Oh, that's a good question. I would say when I want like a beach whiskey, say if I'm not having a cocktail, um, yeah, it is. I'm leaning towards those kind of fruity, lighter whiskeys, um, something with a bit of complexity. I think Cotswolds fits in that category. I think the Aaron 10 is a good one. I think um, yeah, I love Aaron. Yeah, that's a that's a nice fruity one, and then uh, at the moment Indian whiskey, uh, they they really? taste yeah they taste like lychee and pineapples and but it's like yeah what's what's that one I had uh, the injury is good um, the Rampur, really just perfect yeah, so, beach beach whiskeys yeah there's like uh, Amr Amr a really good Indian brand uh, mm. Paul John yeah. Yeah, they're all really, really cool. And yeah, it's interesting that you say those flavor profiles as well. Like they just bring something different. And that's what, I mean, that's why World Whiskey is so, so incredible. I mean, obviously you've got uh, Cadrona over there. Yeah. Yeah, Cadrona, great. They, the people there are great. And it's, they're doing, yeah, they're, they're doing things properly as well. Like they're not sort of taking shortcuts. The um, proper stills, no, proper no, no, They concentrate on the quality of the liquid big yeah. time, don't they? Yeah. No, it's super exciting. And what's really exciting is I think next, I was talking to Sarah, um, one of the distillers there, and I think they were saying next year they're hoping to finally release like their standard bottling. Everything they've released so far has been these small car strength bottles, which are yeah. a little bit pricey, but they're not really about like trying to sell like a, just a, just like a cheap kind of like go-to whiskey it was basically like we've been following along their cask cask expressions until it gets to like yeah. a place where they're ready to like go all out so the, the whiskeys they've been releasing at the moment is just kind of for the whiskey geeks to follow along their journey so they had uh just hatched and then they had growing wings and now they've got full flight and then next year i think they'll release like an age stated bottle um which is cool i'm super excited about that yeah, I, th I mean, they, they they made a little bit of a splash in the UK. Um, they had ah, quite yeah, a big cool. team in the UK. Right. And, you know, they did like cocktail competitions. They pushed on the Reed vodka quite hard as well. So, ah, yeah, I'm excited to see what their age statement will be. But, yeah. Um, yeah. So what co what cocktails, what whiskey cocktails are really floating your boat at the moment? I think Old Fashioned is my go-to. I, I, yeah? I what love whiskey, Old Fashioned. What, what are, you, are you using bourbon or a scotch or uh, I actually, a rye? Um, there's a video I did where I put cast strength Ilek, how can I pronounce this right? Ilek, Ilek, um, into a three liter cask that I had seasoned with sherry for six months. Um, nice. It's like just a, just a little cask project just to oh, teach cool. myself a little thing. So I put sherry in it for six months and then I emptied it out and then I put in like cast strength smoky whiskies and it's it's good i think it worked but um i think it went a week too long because like when it's this small like it's every day you almost need to check it and um it added yeah. just a little bit too much bitterness which so drinking it neat it's fine but in a cocktail the bitterness kind of works so um it makes a really so the good old spice fashion. bitterness would have balanced against the sweetness that you used in the old fashioned. Exactly. Yeah. So the simple syrup and cool. the bitterness from the wood, like, and I've tried other things in my old fashioned and I can't beat it. Like, I think it's like, I've just come across this random, like little thing I've made up and it just has become my ultimate old fashioned whiskey. I love it. It's like full sherry. How are you going to recreate that though? Ah, oh, I can't, <laughs> I can't. It's just a moment in time <laughs> I have to enjoy that's kind of what's i guess that's kind of what's fun right it's a it's a mortal thing <laughs> yeah no that's what i love about experimentation and good shout on using cask strength whiskey as well because mm. i think that is that is really over underrated sorry in making old fashions because you've got so much more control over dilution yeah. as well yeah because you know sometimes you can stir down an old-fashioned and all of a sudden you're like oh i've taken it too far it just doesn't taste of anything anymore yeah. Whereas with cask strength, you're starting at such a high ABV that mm. even if you overstir it, you bring it down to maybe 50 or 46 or something like that. And it's like, yeah. 
Yeah, that's still absolutely perfect. I use our founder's choice for it all the time. Oh, it's perfect. perfect. Yeah, that would be good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. you're still on the old-fashioned train. It's just a drink that will never go away. Yeah, I don't know. It just has, it's sweet, it's bitter, it's, uh, you know, slightly sour from the orange. It's got, um, yeah, I don't know, it just, just hits your whole palate, which I love. What else? I like the whiskey sour. That's good. But I, I often am a bit lazy and I don't want to get the shaker out and stuff. Old fashioned's always yeah. just like big ice cube. <laughs> One minute and I'm I done. Mean, to be honest with you, you can batch it and keep it in a bottle in the fridge or freezer as well, which is Whoa. dangerous, really dangerous. I'll send you, I'll send you some batch recipes for a lazy old fashioned. Oh, that sounds fantastic. That's good because we often have friends around and like they, everyone wants a cocktail. I'm like the whiskey guy. They're oh. like, make us a cocktail, whiskey guy. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I feel your pain so much on that. The amount of people that come around to my house and like, yeah, can we have this and this and this? And I'm like, listen, unless I've pre-batched it into a bottle or I'm using the blender, that's all you're getting because I need to be able to serve five to six people all at once or I'm not doing it. Like there's no individual orders. Yeah, yeah it's true. And like, because all my whiskey bottles, like I've like, you know, bought myself and then everyone's like, let's do a flight. Let's do a tasting. And it's like, my whole family and there's like 12 people and I'm like, I'm going to lose like three bottles out of this. This is going to do some damage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love sharing you, you whiskey. You sort of want to push them towards. Yeah. It's still sharing better. Sharing whiskey's than, great. Yeah. Yeah. It's still better than, uh, uh, yeah, to drink it by myself. So it is the joy I get out of sharing it. But yeah, I'm always like, oh man. <laughs> there goes the, uh, yeah, a lot of Vin, money. Vin Pierre, uh, do you ever see, uh, speak to Vin from No Nonsense Whiskey, a fellow yeah, YouTuber? Yeah. Yeah, chat, chat time heaps. We're both on um, Discord. We talk to each other and um, stuff. We, I need yeah. to get on this Discord. Yeah. I was talking to him on his channel the other day about this. I'm going to have to ah, jump on. Come come join. Come join. Uh, I've, I've made a Discord too. And um, <laughs> it's kind of slightly crazy. There's this app you can install, which is like an AI. And you can give it a character. So in my logo, I've got the whale and like the cask thing. And so I've got Peter the Whale and people inter are talking and interacting with Peter the Whale and asking for advice. So it's like this AI and everyone's like, so I get people saying, oh, what, um, you know, like is floor molting a good idea or something? And Peter the Whale writes this little like thing and he interacts with everyone. Oh my God. The, yeah. It's, it sounds wild. It's kind of, it, it's hard to explain without seeing it. Um, you have to just I'm gonna, go to my uh, Discord link. We'll talk about it afterwards. Yeah, but this <laughs> yeah. is it, isn't it? Like a AI is world. even infiltrating. I might do that. I might just set up like a whiskey troll, an AI whiskey troll, and infiltrate all these Discord groups of which the AI is just programmed to tell everyone that Cotswolds whiskey is the best whiskey <laughs> yeah, on the planet. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Brand ambassador job done with one AI cue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now Vin's great. Yeah, Vin's good. He's uh he's he's uh been going so long. The amount of videos he's put out, it's uh it's so good. My, yeah, he's a he's a machine. Yeah, I I think I've only still uploaded like fifty five videos. I'm so far behind. That's, that's still mental and massive though. Um, what? Well, yeah, because what I was gonna say is Vin Vin always has like what he calls guard whiskeys. Like he has. Oh, yeah certain whiskies that you just won't have out on display because people will come around ah. and be like oh should we drink that and it's like no i'm not sharing that with you <laughs> true especially if they don't know about whiskey whiskey relationships have got to be equitable you know you need someone to come around with a bottle and then you go okay you brought that i'll open this yeah and vice versa yeah 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 definitely yeah it's, it's when they're like someone who doesn't drink whiskey at all and i give them something really nice like a 21 year old and they'll be like Oh, this is, it's a bit hot. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Like, oh, I don't know why I give this to you. That's not what we're looking for. I should for. have given you the Glenmore Orangey. <laughs> <laughs> um, and like, are there any whiskey trends or anything happening in New Zealand that, you know, obviously we're in the UK and we do have listeners from all over the world, which I really appreciate, but yeah. are there any sort of trends or anything happening in New Zealand right now, not only in the drink scene, but in the whiskey scene as well? Well, the one I'm most excited about is uh, Waiheke whiskey. Um, they use right. uh, New Zealand peat. So Scotland like New Zealand. Uh, well, no, New Zealand like Scotland. It was a country covered in peat. But the breakdown of 
or the decomposed plant matter, it's completely different plant matter. It's like flax and it's like yeah. all the native plants from New Zealand, completely different uh, like ecosphere. And it actually means the peat uh, imparts quite a different flavor than Scottish, Scottish peat, which is more like moss and that sort of thing. And um, so they're real into that. They're using New Zealand peats in their whiskies to smoke the whiskies. And it's really interesting. They're doing some interesting stuff. Um, they got a, a geometric still as well. They had some like PhD guy talk about like copper contact and stuff. And they, got this yeah. thing, they, they think that geometric can give you just a little bit more copper contact. Um, just kind of cool. What um, do you mean by geometric? So the, so the still, the pot still, um, I think it's, mm. it's, it's not the wash still. I think it's the spirit still is it's not like a pear shaped normal pot still. It's mm. um, yeah, geometric like a tr- lots of triangles, lots of flat surfaces on. Oh, okay. It. Yeah, yeah. Um, Fascinating. If, I'm gonna yeah. Google that. Yeah, Google that. And so that's really cool to see that as well. It was made by Speyside Copperworks. They made it and they got it brought. Okay. Out. Yeah. Um, but the main nice. thing in terms of like New Zealand, I think New Zealand peated whiskey is really interesting. There's another distillery called Thompson where they don't smoke with peat, they smoke with um, manuka chips. And manuka is a native New Zealand plant, a native New Zealand tree. And it's interesting, when I taste it, when I drink it, all I get is like smoked fish. Because when you grow up in New Zealand, like when fish is smoked, you use manuka wood um, to smoke it. And so you're taking something that's commonly used for smoking fish and you're using it with barley and you're smoking the barley that way to dry it out. Um, and it's completely different again. It's smoky, but it's a different type of smoke that you get from Isla and around. So that kind of thing's really interesting, and that's what's really exciting about World Whiskey is just to see those little twists and those little like different takes that take something that's from our own country and kind of just puts a whole different dimension to whiskey that you've never really tried before. Um, and then I think... Poconos using, uh, actually, because by law in New Zealand, you can use different types of wood. So they're using... Yeah, same in England. Oh, cool. Really? Um, so they're aging... Mm. Oh, I can't remember the top of my head, but it's a different type of wood. I think it might be a native tree as well, rather than oak. That's fascinating. I think world whiskey... For the, I don't think I don't see many people out there doing anything detrimental towards a category of whiskey. But I think world whiskey is just turning everything on its head with regards mm. to what everyone knows about whiskey. Yeah. Um, from the different types of peat, um, climate is a mm. massive conversation that not a lot of people are talking about with regards to, you know, maturation within maturation in New Zealand versus maturation in Scotland. Yeah. They're probably quite close but they're completely different in the same regard as well yeah you know and then if you talk about maturation in various parts of australia be it north south east west Mm. uh, maturation in japan versus taiwan all of a sudden age statement becomes a very different conversation because 12 years in new zealand versus 12 years in south america versus 12 you know you can take 12 year aged whiskey from the four corners of the world Mm. and there will be no synergy except for the fact that it can be defined as whiskey so all of a sudden that becomes a very very big thing as well and i'm just so excited for what world whiskey is going to do for the category because it means that it gives whiskey more interesting longevity because there's so many variables yeah. that are going to keep it interesting. Yeah. And it also, uh, what I like is it puts pressure on um, Scottish distilleries that, you know, like they can't just like rest on their legacies and stuff. Like, like yeah. you got all, and it's, I think it's the same thing happened with wine uh, when like World Wines like took off in South Africa and New Zealand and Chile and stuff. It, it meant that a lot of uh, the French wines started to think about their processes and stuff. Um, a lot of New Zealand yeah, winemakers... I mean, yeah, how many Burgundian winemakers went over to Central Otago? A lot, a lot. If you go to Central Otago, you'll probably run into some French person who's doing their, like, training in, in Central yeah, Otago. Yeah, they're either doing their training or their family bought land there anyway. Yeah. As well, anyway. Yeah, I think that's going to happen in whiskey 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. Which is cool. I'm really excited about that. Um, and 
what I love about what you're saying about like the, you know, like between distilleries in the same country, yeah, the climate's going to be probably quite similar. But when you're comparing like a completely different country, Australia to New Zealand or New Zealand to Scotland, like it can be so different. And what I kind of, like my kind of analogy is like Scotland's kind of been making whiskey a little bit like slow cooked pork. Like that's the way it ages in the cast. I use this. I use this analogy. <laughs> okay, right. Yeah. Let's talk about this because yeah. I, I like people always talk about age, and I'm like, okay, but if yeah, you take beef shin, yeah, and you slowly cook it, mm. that is not the, it's not the greatest piece of meat, but it can end up tasting incredible. Yeah. over a long slow cook. Yeah, but you can take a fillet steak. And yeah. you can flash it for two minutes and it's still the perfect. Exactly. Mate, I'm so happy that you're on the same wavelength as me on that one. <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think it just works. Like, like you almost don't want a 21-year-old New Zealand whiskey. Like, it could be like, because it is kind of like, especially if you're in, on the North Island where it's more subtropical, the cask's breathing fast, it's full on, the angel's yeah. share is ruthless. Um, actually, around that, five six seven year old is is just is really good and it is yeah it's a bit more like a char grilled skit you put it in the barbecue you're going full heat and it's its own thing and it's unique and it's um, its own thing exactly yeah. that it's not really a yeah it's like comparing st- yeah as you said steak to to pulled pork slow cooked pulled pork they're just two different things yeah they're both absolutely delicious and yeah. not to be dismissed i, but I have both yeah, of them they both just work yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh mate, I'm so glad that you're there as well. I that gives me legitimacy to keep using that analogy and building <laughs> it out because it does work. It does yeah. work. And that is what whiskey is as well. Like you say, I mean really old bourbon doesn't always mean that it's really good. You know, mm. virgin oak paired with really sweet spirit paired with a quite a hot climate interacting over a long amount of time. It just tastes like some really mm. old bourbons can just taste like dust. Yeah. Right. Yeah. True. Yeah. It's, so kind of, it's just like, you know, you don't, you don't need that 10, 15 year old in bourbon. Mm. Just like we don't all need to be like scotch. Let's just all be our own thing yeah. and actually be, be graded or be uh, reviewed or be viewed on our merits as opposed to why. Cause the biggest question I ever get asked as an English whiskey is which are you most like? Are you Speyside? Are you Highland? Are mm. you Isla? And it's like, we're Cotswolds. We're yeah. English. We're, we're our own thing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And that's what's really cool. And that's what I... That's, I think England is probably my most... Uh, and just like the category I'm most excited about. It just seems like there's so much investment and stuff going on. And it's just distilleries popping up. And it, it, there seems to be a lot yeah. going on at the moment. We're, we're up to 50 distilleries. 50? And that yeah. includes gin, yeah, they'll so include, 50. Uh, gin distilleries and stuff, will it? Not just single. No, no, no. God, no. You, you, you're talking triple figures if you include gin distilleries. Oh, whoa. Like there, there is a gin distillery literally in every other village, but actual whiskey producers in England, yeah, just about, just give or take 50. Um, serious? Uh, and then there's an, English, there's an English whiskey guild. We've got 16 members, I believe. Um, and that's just more for the protection of category because, you yeah. know, you can, as you start exporting, you can see that there are various IPs that can be under, uh, under scrutiny and things like that. So, Definitely. you know, people think that the English Whiskey Guild is there to um, contrive and restrict creativity, but it's actually more for protection and just, you know, the longevity of category. But yeah, English, yeah. I think English Whiskey is also exciting because you've got the best of what Scotland can do mm. with the relevance and the recency bias of we can refine all 200 year old distilleries are always going to struggle to completely keep up with innovation because they're Mm. 200 years old yeah whereas most distilleries in england have been built in the last 15 20 years even more recent which means that any mistakes or any sort of inefficiencies would be the best word to use we can improve on them yeah you can adapt then you know you can yeah, you can adapt, exactly, yeah. So I think that coupled with the fact that, you know, everything that Scotland has with regards to uh, sourcing barley, cooperages, um, you know, still makers, everything mm. like that is still on our doorstep True. as well. So yeah, it's kind of 
you can get everything that you need from a Scotch whiskey in England, just you've got to be a little bit more patient and a bit more open to innovation. And that's mm. the best way I can put it. Mm. Oh, yeah, that's interesting, actually, because you could probably find really good, like, Coopers and stuff, right? And yeah. that's a big problem in New Zealand. There's, like, none. I think there's one. There's one Cooper in the whole country. Who, yeah, like, I mean, <laughs> we've, got accent, we, we've got Europe. Yeah. We've got Europe on our doorstep, so wine casks, um, you know, fortified wine casks, sherry casks, they're all there. And then, obviously, all of Speyside Cooperage and everything like that is north mm. of us as well. So the access to casks is perfect. It's kind of like... Yeah. Yeah, it's it's not as difficult as most countries would find it. So yeah, I would say that there are there are some benefits to English whiskey that some people don't take into consideration, and that mm. is basically just on a geographical basis more than anything. And also, we're an agricultural country that grow barley at a very very high quality because we've got the climate true. to be able to do so. Yeah, yeah, true. That's very exciting. Yeah, yeah. There's so and many also, whiskeys I, I want th- the the last thing that I would say is that. As a country, it's not a singular brand that is pushing forward the quality of the category. Mm. You know, I would say that there are, uh, you know, even in production, there are a minimum of 10 distilleries that I would quite happily take to a tasting and go, you've got to taste this mm. and this. It's not just Cotswolds. It's not just English whiskey. It's, it's, it's a whole category of lots of good producers making yeah. things from a qualitative standpoint. And, and so, I yeah. think it's really good. You're Def- actually, yeah. I think it's good you got those regulations as well. Like New Zealand's just done the same. Um, like we've brought in, uh, I think our minimum age is two years because of the climate different rather than three. Yeah, of um, course, yeah. And because, uh, you know, look at somewhere like Japan where they didn't have as strict regulations and now it's kind of it's kind of backfiring. It's, you know, a lot of whiskey geeks are going, yeah. hang on, I don't know if I can trust you and I don't know if I can trust your distillery because you're saying it's from Japan but it's actually partially from scotland and it's got all messy and uh because i could get away with it um so yeah, i think they, it's I mean, good they could to get away with now. spirit from other countries mm. didn't have to be malted grain spirit uh i believe i read uh in the ibd that there was also a capability of adding back new make spirit post maturation as well i might be wrong on that one but i think right. i read it in the ibd interesting so yeah. you know japanese blended whiskey could be lengthened almost like a gin yeah, uh, I could be completely wrong on that, so hopefully yeah. that I'll have to double check that so I don't get bitten in the ass. But yeah, yeah I think there was just a, there was too much going on in Japanese whiskey that mm. could mean there were loopholes for people to cheat the category. Yeah. Whereas yeah, if you set out a qualitative driven um, sort of standpoint for a category, then yeah. that also means that you've got a solid foundation for quality moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. Agree. Totally agree. That's great. Cool. Right. We are nerding like big time right now. So um, (laughs) do you ever have highballs or are there any mixes over in New Zealand that we're never going to find in England that are super cool for making like good highballs? Yeah, there's there's plenty. I'm not a huge cocktail person. Um, A a highball, what else do I like to use? Um, I kind of think any whiskey. My, um, uh, we often have highballs here but it's with brandy actually because uh, Lyd's grandfather uh, would have it every single night um, it was like his drinkies thing it was like a tradition we would come to the house we would all have um, it was like uh, ginger ale and brandy so it's kind of become a little bit tradition thing uh, when we're here um, and yeah that's kind of my main thing and what else I yeah I don't have a lot of cocktail old fashioned kind of my go to um uh, mm. I have a rum and coke if I want. You know, I, I'm not like against having here's, those sort of things. Here's a good one for you, mate: sparkling apple juice with lighter fruity whiskies. Ooh, oh, yeah, that's right. the one. That is, that's yeah, it's perfect. Just on ice. Yeah, just on ice. Sparkling yeah. apple juice and whiskey, bang. Just yeah. it just adds another dimension. Do you put it like yeah, a lemon it's really in good. it or something? Really, really good. Do you chuck a bit of lemon in it? You can if you want, yeah. Yeah, a little drop of lemon, little yeah. uh, little little lemon zest over the top just to give it a bit more effervescence and a bit more punch. But yeah, it works really, really well. Um, okay, cool. Thirsty. So I know, mate, and it's the end of the day for you so that you can you can just sort of have a little nightcap. I'm still, I've still got to find my first coffee for the day as well. I think I found your whiskey. 
Yeah. Um, just for you. Oh, look at you, legend. Product placement and everything. Product placement. So, last section of the podcast, the wind down. I call it the punch up section, and it's basically just a way in which you can promote things, people, places within um, within whiskey. I guess from your point of view, obviously. This entire episode is aimed at people have to go and find First Fill on YouTube but and and TikTok. Can we talk about TikTok for a second? Like, yeah. You seem to be the only legitimate TikToker as well. Like, I'm on TikTok, and I don't get it. And it just seems to be, like, you, a couple of other people, and then a load of really boring bourbon bloggers. Like, <laughs> I don't want to so hurt, hurt anyone's feelings, but honestly, like, TikTok is just bourbon bloggers. Yeah. And it's dull it's really dull yeah i'm surprised there's not more there were some actually um a few other i'm not going to remember the names but they kind of faded out they were uploading and now they're not anymore there was some um it's i mean you can appreciate like upkeeping content is just a yeah it's though, big, right it's a big thing so all, all mine is kind of like when i finish a video i kind of i can chop it up into little sections and then put those up as uh as reels or shorts or tiktoks and um but you're getting, yeah. like, you're getting like 2,000 likes and that sort of stuff and like a lot of interaction on TikTok as well. Yeah, yeah, it's going well. I think I'm at 4,000 um, uh, TikTok followers. But yeah, it's the same sort of thing. I haven't put up heaps of videos, but yeah, I'm keen to do more and more of that and then even start to do some videos which I just, you know, do some of the themes and some of the trends on TikTok and see if I can. It's all about time really. But yeah, it's an yeah. interesting platform because it's quite a, there's still a lot of people out there searching for whiskey content. Um, it's just a different form of communication than the more long form YouTube style. Yeah. It's cool to I see think, all your yeah, stuff. I mean, I... <laughs> I love all your stuff. It's great. It's just a mish. It, it's love... just a mishmash of old stuff that we've done. And then just like, if I'm bored in a Rick house or something. Uh, it's so good. It's so good to see the behind the scenes. I, I love it when distilleries really just like, they kind of just open the doors to just let people see what's going on. I feel like there's so many distilleries where it's just all just closed and you know, you, you can't, you know, that it's like they're just faceless no, you, kind of behind a court and you email them. You're like, what's in that uh, cask? And it's just like bounces, email bounces back. And it's like, you need, you know, they, they don't want to talk to you. Mate. Whereas you, you guys have a completely Drop me a approach. request, drop me a request and you can have an ac all access TikTok dedicated straight for you. Just put a comment somewhere and I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it, especially for you, mate. No worries at all. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds, yeah, it's epic. I um, really like the way you're approaching it. It's awesome. Yeah, it's just, you know, at the end of the day, I, the, the way I look at it is whiskey is about having fun. Mm. You know, you have a whiskey, you're probably in a good mood and you want to have fun. Yeah. And so if you can't have that, I mean, obviously there are very, very serious elements of what we do, but if you can't have fun when you work in whiskey, mm. I don't really know why you're doing it because yeah. it's meant to be, it's meant to be about fun. It's yeah. meant to, you know, enjoying flavors and enjoying company and enjoying those flavors with company is fun. So exactly. Yeah, I, I, I really like also, your... also, I just, yeah. And I, I just love your approach to how like, you're just embracing talking to people, even people on YouTube and different spheres, different niches. I actually had a distillery. I won't say the distillery, but I reached out to them because I wanted to know a little bit more about their whiskey. And I wanted to talk about it on my channel. And they basically replied saying, no, you can't talk about it on the channel. You have to come to the distillery. We're going to have a boardroom meeting. It has to be approved by the marketing team and it has to be approved by the CEO. And I'm like, I'm doing, this is like, got to be free free stuff free content for you and they're like no no it's just such an old school mindset where they're like no no we're gonna oh, have a big meeting God, and no. you need to come and you need to it needs to be approved by a whole bunch of people and the account managers and all this sort of thing i'm like oh it's just so it's, just, it's like you're just, there's one thing that, is, that a lot of whiskey distilleries aren't focusing on and that is the fact that there are so many of us like mm. I don't know how many distilleries in America, single malt or bourbon, but there are a lot. And there are even more in Scotland and Ireland and England has them. And you're looking at Finland and Sweden and New Zealand. Like there are, I would say there are now thousands of whiskey distilleries. Mm. Yeah. If you're going to close yourself off on any platform, you're, you're, what, what are you doing? You need yeah. people to be able to actually feel an affinity to what you're doing and the only way people can feel an affinity to anything is getting a little sneak look behind the door yeah. feeling like that person or that brand is accessible 
because the, you know then it makes the liquid more accessible and just transparency just going yeah this is what we do and we're very exactly. proud of it yeah yeah and that's what i love like what you guys are doing it's perfect appreciate that buddy um so the punch-up section is like you recommending you know people places and products i guess one thing that i was going to ask you is besides yourself on youtube mm -hmm. who else would you say is you know doing good things for people who want to get into whiskey on youtube oh there's so many channels uh on youtube the one i probably binge watch the most is g whiskey he's really good oh yeah the guy in taiwan his, his videos just like okay. just kind of to the point but he's also hilarious like he just says the most funny things but his videos are quite like but they don't go too off a tangent and stuff and like if you just want to get a background on a whiskey i find he's normally the one i go to and i'm just like i just want to get a quick overview of a whiskey he's always got a great take and a great opinion and a good palate so he's a guy in taiwan and he's just kind of blowing up at the moment he's already at around eight thousand or something and he only he hasn't been doing it that long um yeah. Jesus. He's a Canadian who lives in Taiwan. He's good. Okay. G Whiskey. G Whiskey, yeah. Look I, out for him on YouTube. Yeah, he's great. I binge watch all his stuff. Um, yeah. And who, who else? What's the main question? Just who's doing stuff? Who's yeah. Who? I mean, who's on YouTube or TikTok that you would say, you know, besides yourself, people should go and find because they're, they're just communicating whiskey in a really positive way. I think... I mean, your guys' podcast is really cool. Seeing the podcast, because I, I feel like YouTube's getting to the point now where there are good YouTube channels out there that people can consume. But what's really cool is to see like your podcast pop up, and having a, a video part as well is really good. Um, yeah. I think the Whiskey Baron had done what's the one called? Um, Chill. Un uncut and unfiltered. Uncut and unfiltered. Yeah, I often just put that on the yeah. background and listen. Um, they, that's great too. I like it. Just the banter and that sort of thing. Yeah. I listened to theirs yesterday, actually. It is really good. And then I decided to go on their Instagram and they were talking about sherry casks. And I was like, oh, I can nerd out about this. And so I sort of dropped a little bit of a fact on there. And I was like, oh, happy to come on your thing if you want. But, you <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's the other thing it's as good. well. It's just like other, other creators getting in touch with other creators and mm. just basically benefiting from each person's audience as a collaboration is always a huge benefit as well. Yeah, yeah. And I think... I mean, it's sort of, I was, I was trying to like uh, give people that most people wouldn't he have heard of, but I think Roy from Aquavita as well was the real connector for a lot of channels. He brought everyone yes. together. He, he just contacts everyone, no matter how small or big you are. And he's, uh, he's very good at building community within the whiskey, like niche. So um, I love Roy's that. fantastic. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Cool, man. Uh, and then what are you enjoying at the moment? In terms of whiskey, yeah, or just like in general, just in general, you know, just, what's 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 floating your boat at the moment, Phil? Uh, enjoying cold swims in the ocean at the moment. Wakes you up. Always good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cheaper than a cold plunge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, my my daughter just doesn't seem to be afraid of cold water, so she's like, "Daddy, we'll go for a swim." I'm like, oh, "Really? Okay." <laughs> and then I, I go for a swim. I oh, feel okay, great cool. afterwards. I feel awesome. <laughs> I, I, uh, I'm in a landlocked area. That's one thing the Cotswolds doesn't really have. We have streams oh, and brooks, but we don't have any water in any direction. So, we oh, well, I can't go in freezing cold. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely cold. What whiskey are you enjoying at the moment, though, mate? Ah, uh, whiskey. Um, that is a long list. Um, what, <laughs> what's standing out at the moment? Um, what was the last whiskey that made you kind of look at your glass and go, whoa? Oh, I think Lag's doing cool things. Lag yes. Distillery. Yeah, the guys I, I are really... the, uh, the Aaron affiliate. Yeah, and I also think I had an old uh, bottle of... Where is it? It's just here. Oh, here it is. I picked this whiskey. I don't think this is the new... They've just rebranded Glenglasser, but I got this car strength. Um, oh yeah, I don't know if that's going to focus. Um, it's a yeah, Glenn I see Glasser. it. I see it. It's a nine-year-old, fifty-eight point nine percent, um, and an American wine hogshead, 
and I just picked this up. It wasn't it was a pretty reasonable price, and I've been sipping on that. That's been great. I love it. I have never owned a bottle of Glenglasser, so um, that one's been good. And Lang's yeah, really surprised me as well. Yeah. Yeah, very young peated whiskey that is just super, super tasty. So good. And the later batches are getting so good. And um, I did a video on like all about pot stills explaining that. And it was really cool going deep into that topic and learning like how Lag are going, you know, it's the same owners as Aaron. They're just doing the opposite. Yeah. And it's so cool to see. So yeah. the, um, you know, the Aaron Locranza distillery has like these taller stills, got the big bulb on them. And the legs like opposite. It's like no, no, no bulb. It's just like a fat thing, and like it's just yeah, like exactly. heavy whiskey. One's like reflux and light, and yeah. like really nice for good good variations on casks because Aaron just loved doing different cask style, styles, mm. and they're really good. And then Lag just went, nah, yeah. we just want oil. We just want <laughs> yeah. oil and yeah. big. Yeah, heavy and no, meaty. I respect that. Yeah, it's great and smoky. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. I like how they just like go all out. Just here's our fruity one and here's our our big fishy meaty one yeah it's great so i'm super excited about that now usually i ask people i've i do have a proclivity for having english guests on here and you are i think you're our first international i'm not sure but usually i ask people where they should go like if there's a place that you would recommend to go and something tells me that you're going to either recommend isla with isla as somewhere Mm. to go but where, you know, in the world for whiskey, where should they, where should people go? Are you talking about people who are just getting into whiskey? Or are you talking about people who are kind yeah, of already yeah? I mean, the, the podcast is very much for people that are just getting into whiskey. Yeah, I mean, the trip I did, I think it worked. The little, and I've heard people do the opposite. They've like they do a trip in Isla, they think, oh yeah, and then they did a trip in Speyside, and they're like, oh wow, and they get into it. Um, and Speyside's really cool as well because it's just like a new, it's just like the Manhattan of distilleries. There's just so many in one place. Um, and I think, yeah, Isla's a really good shout as well. Um, it's it's what, you know, turned me from like, I'll have a Jamison's with some ginger ale to like, I just love whiskey. I'm just so excited about it. And now I have a YouTube channel where I just go on and on and on about it. And um uh, but if I was to say, where would the best uh, distillery be to travel to? I mean, I gotta say the Kadrona yeah. Distillery. It's there you in go. the mountains. We've all it's, got to go to New Zealand. Uh, you've got to come to New Zealand. It's opposite a ski field. Um, you can go skiing. Really? Yeah, it's literally opposite one of the biggest ski fields in New Zealand. It's where like ah. um, all the winter sports is done. Like professionals from around the world come to like so the or northern hemisphere like athletes like skiers and snowboarders when it's their summer they come to Kadrona and they that's where they do all their jumps and stuff but it's also a big ski field so there's all these trails and and then there's a distillery a little a ski for the day, have a little dram i i spent nearly a decade doing ski seasons did you and so oh you'll love it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. mate <laughs> i just i was chasing the snow for as long as i could so that sounds like the dream oh. the absolute dream there's nothing quite like a full day of skiing. It's like snowing outside. You've just finished the day and you just have a nice dram. Like sometimes it's just the, the timing of a dram can just make a dram incredible. So like you've just done your skiing, you have a little sip of Cadrona and it's the best it's ever gone taste. Oh my God. My mind is blown. Wow. <laughs> Okay, okay, uh, uh, I'm going to have to recover from that one because that just sounds like it was made in a dream. Um, <laughs> Phil, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really do appreciate your time, mate. Um, oh, good. It was a plug pleasure. And promote your, plug and promote your channel, your TikTok, your YouTube, everything. Tell people how they should get in touch with you, how, where they can find you. Just go to town, mate. Let everyone know what you're doing. Uh yeah, so main thing is just the channel. Jump on if you want to learn stuff about whiskey, if you want to explore whiskey, go a bit deeper. Go to my channel, First Fill Whiskey. That's Phil, P-H-I-L. Um, it's from the pun, First Fill Casks. And uh, then go on to, if you want to reach me, uh, Instagram's the best place. Um, 
go over, follow me on Instagram. That's where all the stories will be. And that's when I'll be doing little bits and pieces. And if you want to join a community of other whiskey geeks, um, there's a lot of people around the world. I get comments on my channel. They're like, I've just got into whiskey, but none of my friends like whiskey. Um, and so that's kind of why I started the Discord. And it's a place where you can kind of meet other whiskey enthusiasts, beginners, like advanced people who are long down their journey. And we just talk whiskey on a whole bunch of different like chats and things. And um, yeah, so there's that as well. If, if people want to like have more of a space to connect with other whiskey people around the world. Amazing. Amazing. I'm going to look at Discord as soon as we get off this. Okay. Once again, cheers to you, Phil. Thank you so much. Everyone go and find Phil on YouTube. First Phil Whiskey. Um, I'm sure we'll catch up soon. But for now, thank you so much, mate. I appreciate thank it. Thank you. It was an absolute pleasure. It was so good to be on. I really appreciate this podcast. It's awesome. And I appreciotate everything you do. Thanks, mate. I'm so excited for Cotswolds and everything and where, where everything's going. You're a legend. You're a legend, mate. Until next time, everyone. Thank you very much for listening to the I Want to Like Whiskey podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Cotswolds Distillery, a grain-to-glass distillery based in the Cotswolds National Landscape, a designated area of outstanding natural beauty and the home of England's best-selling single malt whiskey. Our philosophy is simple. We make delicious spirits in a beautiful part of the world. The Cotswolds Distillery. Our spirit, your whiskey.